All right, well, we're there in Nehemiah chapter number 7. And if you look at verse number 1, the Bible says, Now it came to pass when the wall was built. All right, now we're kind of transitioning into a new part of the book of Nehemiah. And we're not going to spend a lot of time. Nehemiah, you got to understand, is divided into two parts, okay? Uh, chapters 1 through 6 deal with the reconstruction of the wall. And that's what we've been kind of dealing with and going through the principles and, and applying a lot of those things to our lives But in chapter 7, you notice that the wall is complete, the wall is built. The second part of the book of Nehemiah, chapter 7 through 13, deal with the reinstructing of the people. Because these people have been far away, you know, they they haven't been, uh, uh, some of them have came back, some of them have been living there, but they haven't really been Jerusalem, they haven't had a society like they have now, they don't have these walls, so they have to reinstruct the people and kind of get them back to how things should have been, and that's what the rest of the book deals with, is kind of discipling the people, helping them get back to how things should have been. Now, today we're going to deal with just one verse here in verse number 2, if you look at verse 2, the Bible says, that I gave my my brother Hanani, and Hanani, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And you may be wondering, well, why did we read that entire chapter if you're just going to deal with verse number two? All right? But here's the thing. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for reproof, uh, for instruction and in righteousness. The, the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. We don't like to skip, you know, and it's just our custom to read the entire chapter before the service. If there's anywhere you're going to read the Bible, it ought to be the church. And we don't ever advise anyone to skip anything in the Word of God. It's all good. So we want to read the entire chapter. But I want you to notice there in verse 2 that Nehemiah basically finishes the building of the wall, and he says that he gave his brother Hanani. Now, you may remember this guy from chapter 1. Just go with me real quickly to chapter 1 of the book of Nehemiah, and look at verse number 1, just so you can uh, see where he came into play before in the book. Remember when uh, Nehemiah first heard of the destruction of the walls of Israel. He was not in Israel. Nehemiah chapter 1, look at verse 1. The Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. So you remember his brother had came to Shushan the palace, and had told Nehemiah about the walls being broken down, about the people being in distress. And now here in chapter 7, if you look at verse 2 again, he says that I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. Because if you remember, Nehemiah was put in charge of the city of Jerusalem while he was building this wall. But now that the wall is built, he, he doesn't want the position. And if you remember, he actually has to go back to Shushan the palace, and if you keep reading the book of Nehemiah, you'll notice that he goes back and then he has to come back to fix some problems that happened while he was gone. But he gave them the charge over Jerusalem, and I want you to notice why he put these men in charge. Look at the last part of verse 7, I'm sorry, verse 2, chapter 7, it says, For he was a faithful man. He was a faithful man and feared God. Above many. Today I want to preach to you on the about the subject of the need for faithful people. The need for faithful people. And that, that word faithful, uh, you know, just to kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about when we say faithful, someone who is faithful is someone who is committed and consistent. 
Someone that you can count on. Someone who is reliable. Someone who is dependable is what it means to be faithful. And you've got to understand that God today is seeking and searching for faithful people. When you look at the people that God used, the men and the women that God used throughout Scripture, you will find that the prerequisite for their use was that they were Faithful. You're there in the book of Nehemiah. You're there in chapter 7. Skip uh, over to chapter uh, 13 just real quickly with me. Let me show you a couple of verses in, in the book of Nehemiah, and then we'll go to some other references. Nehemiah chapter 13, and look at verse number 13. In Nehemiah 13, 13, you find basically the same, the same concept. I always like it when I have, get these Fiji waters, you know. I don't trust those ushers. I'm pretty sure this came from the tap, but uh, they just gave me, they gave me the, nice, the nice bottle, so it makes me feel good, you know? But uh, Nehemiah 13, look at verse 13. And I made treasurers over the treasuries, Shalemiah the priest and Zadok the scribe, and of the Levites, Pediah, and next to them was Hanan, the son of Zachar, the son of Mataniah. Now I want you to notice, for they were counted faithful, and their office was to distribute unto their brethren. So there you see, Nehemiah finds another, uh, another group of people. He makes them treasures. He gives them a position. But what is he looking for? He's looking for faithful men. He's looking for faithful women. He says they were counted faithful. Go to Nehemiah chapter number 9. Nehemiah chapter number 9. In Nehemiah 9, you actually find that the priests are kind of giving a sermon, and they're kind of just talking about the history of the people. And in verse number 7, they're talking about the patriarch Abraham. And if you remember Abraham from the book of Genesis, he's basically the one that kind of started this whole thing. He's the one that got the ball rolling. He was the man that God called. But in Nehemiah chapter 9, and look at verse number 7, I want you to notice what the Bible says about Abraham. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse number 7. Thou art the Lord the God, the God I'm sorry, thou art the Lord the God who didst choose Abram, and brought us him forth out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and gave us him the name Abraham. Look at verse 8. And foundest his heart faithful before thee. Do you see that? The Bible says that when God was looking for a man, when God was looking to call a man to give him a nation, to bring the, the Messiah through, to bring the Lord Jesus Christ through, he looked down and he found the man who he had found in his heart faithful before God. Nehemiah found men that were faithful to give them the charge, to put them in, in, in charge of the treasury and of the money. They were looking. God is seeking and God is always seeking people that are faithful. Let me show you some more examples. Go to the book of Numbers, chapter number 12. Numbers. If you start at the beginning of the Bible, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter number 12, and look at verse number 6. Numbers chapter 12, and look at verse number 6. We're going to look at a lot of references this morning, so kind of be ready uh, to turn. Numbers chapter number 12, and look at verse number 6. Notice what the Bible says about uh, Moses, Numbers chapter 12 and verse 6. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. Now, he's, he's rebuking them because they're, they're attacking the leadership of Moses and they're saying, well, God doesn't just speak to, to Moses. God can speak to anyone. And God is saying, hey, look, if I want to talk to a prophet, I'm going to talk to them in a vision. I'm going to talk to them in a dream. He says, my relationship with Moses is different. He said, I will talk with Moses uh, face to face like a man speaking with his friend. And he, and he says, look, my servant Moses is not so. Now, what was special about Moses? Why did Moses get this you know, special access to God? Notice why. 
Who is faithful in all mine house? See, Moses was faithful, and he was chosen. Abraham was faithful, and he was chosen. Nehemiah looking to put men in leadership and looking to kind of give over the, the responsibilities that he had been given because his task was done. He sought people that were faithful. Go to 1 Samuel chapter number 2. 1 Samuel, there are numbers. You go past Deuteronomy, past Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and 1 Samuel. 1, chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 2. This should be familiar. We've been studying 1 Samuel on Wednesday nights. So I won't take a lot of time to give you context. First Samuel chapter 2, though, if you remember, you got the man of God uh, who's preaching to Eli, who's the priest that is uh, just not doing his job, and he's basically being told that he's going to be replaced, and we know that he was replaced by the child Samuel. First Samuel chapter 2, look at verse number 35. Notice what God says through the man of God who's speaking to Eli. And I, this is God speaking through his prophet, and I will raise me up a, notice, faithful priest. Do you see that? See, when God is looking to use someone, he's, here's what he's looking for. Someone who's faithful, someone who's committed, someone who's consistent. And of course, this was a reference to Samuel that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. You're there in 1 Samuel chapter 2, go to 1 Samuel 22. 1 Samuel 22. And verse number 14, let me give you one more example. We talked about, we're talking about the great men in the Bible. I mean, you got Abraham, you got Moses, you got uh, Samuel. Let me show you one more great man. 1 Samuel chapter 22, and look at verse number 14. 1 Samuel chapter 22, and verse number 14. And Ahimelech answered the king and said, now this is Ahimelech speaking to Saul, and he's, and he's speaking in defense of a man, and notice what he says about this man. And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David? Now notice, David, before he was king, David, before he, you know, what, what was King David and had all those great victories that we know about, David had a testimony of being faithful. And when Saul was, was wanting to hurt him, the defense that went up about David was, hey, David is faithful. In fact, who is so faithful among all thy servants as David? And I just want you to understand this. When God looks to use a man or a woman, He looks for one quality, one prerequisite. It's not talent. It's not ability. It's faithfulness. See, the prerequisite for use is faithfulness. Go to the New Testament with me. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Look at verse number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. The Bible says this. Moreover... It is required. It is a requirement. It is needed. It is required in stewards. Now, what's a steward? A steward is a manager. And here's what you got to understand. On this earth, that's what we are. We are stewards. You do not own anything. All the money you have, all the resources you have, your health, your body, your children, your family, everything you have has been given to you by God. And it is our job to steward that well. But notice when God is looking for someone to steward for Him, to to give a job uh, 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 of leadership, of opportunity, of responsibility, He says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found not smart, not educated, not intelligent, not talented. He said, it is required that a man be found faithful. 
He said, I'm looking for someone who's committed. I'm looking for someone who's consistent. See, God cannot use people who are not faithful. God can actually make up for whatever you lack. Your, 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 your lack in ability. You say, well, I'm not able to speak well. Hey, Moses, God can make up for that. Well, I don't have, I, I'm, just, I'm not educated. God can make up for that. The Bible says about the apostles that they were unlearned and ignorant men. You say, well, I just don't, I don't have talent. Look, God can make up for whatever you're lacking, but here's what he cannot make up for, inconsistency. Here's what he cannot make up for, a lack of character. Here's what he cannot make up for, an unfaithful steward. He said, if you want to be used, he said, I just need one thing, faithfulness. 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 I said, number one, God is seeking faithful people. Number two, the world has a scarcity of faithful people is the problem. Go to the book of Psalms with me. If you open up your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is right in the center of your Bible, at least should be. Psalm chapter 12, Psalm 12, and look at verse number one. I want you to notice what the Bible says about faithful people. There is a scarcity of faithful people. A faithful person is hard to find. Someone you can count on. Someone you can rely on. Someone who is trustworthy. Someone who says something and then does what they said is a hard person to find. Just ask any employer. I mean, people, people are... Everybody wants to talk about, you know, oh, it's so hard to find work. You talk to the average employer, they will tell you it's hard to find someone who will show up, who will show up on time, who will actually do what they said they were going to do. It's hard to find. Are you there in Psalm chapter 12? Look at verse 1. Psalm 12, 1. Notice what the Bible says. To the chief musician upon Sheminith, the Psalm of David, help, O Lord, for the godly man seizeth, for the faithful fail. Which is, look, when the faithful fail, you're not faithful. <laughs> For the faithful fail from among the children of men. He says, look, God, I can't find faithful people. You're there in Psalms? Go one book over to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse 6. Proverbs chapter number 20 and verse number 6. Proverbs 20 is the next book over after the book of Psalms. Proverbs 20, look at verse 6. Notice what the Bible says about faithful people. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 6. Notice what the Bible says. Most men... Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. That's, that, that's the society we live in. We live in this Facebook society where everybody almost talk about how great they are. That's one of the biggest issues I have with social media. It's not about esteeming others better than yourself. It's about showing off and telling everybody, look at how great I am. Look at how great I am. Look, not everybody needs to know what you had for dinner or how great your dinner was last night. You know, look at how great I am. Look at, look at what I'm doing. And look at this. And look at that. And here's the worst part is now we have this, you know, brainwashed society that has actually transferred. It's one thing what's on the Internet. Now you got all these people walking around. And all they want to talk about is how good they are. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But a faithful man, who can find? And, here's, and by the way, if you're faithful, you don't have to tell your boss how great you are. He already knows. If you're consistent, if you're committed, a faithful person doesn't have to proclaim their own goodness. They don't have to go, say, let me show you, look, look, look at all the great things I've done. Look, when you're faithful, we know. And when you're faithful, we're thankful for you. Because every man will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find? Go to Proverbs 25, look at verse 13. Proverbs 25, look at verse 13. When you find a faithful person, it is refreshing. It's, a, it's, it's like a cold drink. Notice what he says. Proverbs 25. Look at verse 13. Proverbs 25, verse 13. As the cold snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger. So is a faithful messenger 
to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his master. It's refreshing to find someone that's faithful. It's refreshing to find someone that you can count on. It's refreshing to find someone who is dependable, someone who is trustworthy, someone that you can say, you know what, you know, I can always count on this person. I know that they will not let me down. But, but that person is hard to find. The faithful fail from off the earth. So this morning we said, number one, God is seeking faithful people. When God is looking to use a man, when God is using, looking to use a woman, and by the way, when God is looking to use a church, he is looking for a church that is filled with faithful people. But number two, the world has a scarcity of faithful people. They're hard to find. It's hard to get faithful people because today we live in a society where everybody is just selfish and interested in themselves and they're not really interested in what I said I was going to do. I'm just interested about how I feel right now. And it doesn't matter if I committed to something. I just don't feel good right now. Or I'm just tired right now. Or I just had a bad night. You know, or I just had a bad day. Or I just had a bad encounter at work. And, and, and I know I said I was going to do that, but I'm not going to do it. And here's what you're going to understand. Faithful people cannot be used because faithful people cannot be counted on. Number three, we should strive to be faithful people. We should strive to be faithful people. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. You're there in Proverbs 25. Deuteronomy. And look at verse number... Let's see where I want you. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy 17. I have found that these types of sermons are the least popular sermons. <laughs> because people don't like to be told, you're lazy. But you know what? Some of you need to be told you're lazy. <laughs> People don't like to be told, you need to get committed. You need to, you need to stop making excuses. You need to get to work. You need to just do what you said you're going to do and develop discipline and character in your life. No one wants to hear that, but that's what we need today. And here's what you're going to understand. We get so mad at the world, and we get so mad at, you know, same-sex marriage this and abortion that. And look, all of that is terrible and all is bad. But we're so mad at the world, and yet Christians who have the truth, who have the Word of God, are so lax in their commitment and consistency and their faithfulness. Let me give you a few areas that you ought to strive to be faithful in. And there's way more than I can give you in one sermon, but let me just give you some quickly. Deuteronomy 17, if you look at verse number 15, Deuteronomy 17 and verse 15, there are some areas that we all ought to strive to be faithful in. The first area I want to talk to you about is you ought to strive to be faithful in your personal devotions with God. Your Bible reading and your prayer time ought to be a priority. You ought to strive to be faithful and consistent in spending time with God. Are you there in Deuteronomy 17? Look at verse number 15. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 15. The Bible says this. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. For from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. Now I want you to get the context. Because in Deuteronomy, he's talking about the fact that the children of Israel were eventually going to get a king, and he's telling them, when you get a king, here's what I want you to, here's the characteristics of that king. Here's what I want them to do. Now, before you say, well, I'm not a king, so this doesn't apply to me, let me just read a verse for you. You don't have to turn there. You can jot this down if you'd like, or you can turn there, because we're going to go there later in the sermon anyway. Revelation 1.6 says this, And he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If you are saved this morning, the Bible says that God has made you a king and a priest. So guess what? A lot of these things that apply to the kings in the Old Testament, they apply to you too. 
And all of these things that apply to the priest in the Old Testament, they apply to you too because he's made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Now notice what he says to the kings, Deuteronomy 17 and verse 18. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law. That's interesting. I, you know, I never really considered that as a mode of Bible study. One is, I think I'm going to try that. You know, to study the Word of God, try writing it, like copying it. That'd probably be a really good way to study the Bible, don't you think? Say, so I'm going to study the book of, you know, Ezra. Try, try scribing it down, you know, word for word. You'll probably learn it really well. That's what these kings were supposed to do. They weren't supposed to just go buy a copy. They were supposed to make, they, they shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which before the priests and the Levites, look at verse 19, and it shall be with him, and he shall read, notice, he shall read therein when he's struggling. When he's going through a tough time, he should open up the book of Psalms and let it comfort him. Is that what it says? It says he shall read therein all the days of his life. Every day, God expects the kings to stand up and to take the Word of God and to read it and to spend time in the Word of God. He shall read therein all the days of his life that he may... Why? What is the purpose of reading the Bible? That he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Notice, he didn't say, go on YouTube and listen to preaching. He didn't say, download an I, you know, on your iPod and MB3 file. Look, I'm not against preaching. I like preaching. We have preaching on YouTube and our website. But listen to me. We have this idea that, you know, it's easy to turn on a sermon and listen to it. But God has commanded you and God has commanded me to wake up every day and take the Holy Word of God and read it. And you say, well, why? So that you can do what it says. So that you can learn, so that you can grow in knowledge, so that you can keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Look at verse 20. And his heart shall not be lifted up above his brethren. Not reading the Bible will help your pride. And that he will turn not aside from the commandments to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. In the New Testament, you got all those T-books. You can find 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus. You find a T-book, you'll be close to it. 1st Timothy chapter 4, look at verse number 13. 1st Timothy chapter 4, look at verse number 13. 1st Timothy 4, 13. While you go there, let me just go. We're not going to turn to Revelation. I'll just read it for you. Revelation 1, 3 says this. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. It's interesting how every time God says, read, he, he makes the application, blessed is he that readeth, why? And keep those things which are written therein. The connection is always this, read so that you can do. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, and thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. See, the reason that God gave us the Bible is not so you can read it and you can have all these knowledge and you can know all these things. It's so you can read it and you can do it. You can apply it and it will actually change your life. That's why he gave you the Bible. And then he says this. He says, because I gave you a book that's meant to help you, he said, I want you to read it every day. Are you there in 1 Timothy chapter 4? Look at verse 13. Till I come. Till I come. Give attendance. The word attendance means give attention to. Make this a priority. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So I want you to consider how faithful you are in your personal devotions with God. How faithful are you in your Bible reading? How much time do you spend with God? I mean, do you spend more time with the television or with the Word of God? Do you spend more time with Facebook and Twitter 
Or do you spend more time with the Word of God? Do you spend more time on the newspaper or on, on other books? And books are good, and I'm not against books, and I try to read as much as I can, you know, the Word of God and other things. But look, how, where are we spending our time? We must be faithful to our time with God. Are you there in 1 Timothy? Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and look at verse number 17. Let me give you the other part of a devotional life. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it's a one-on verse. We could say it, you, you know it, but let's just look at it together. You're there in the T-books anyway. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. The word cease means to stop. He says, I want you to pray and never stop. This is talking about being faithful. Every day we ought to be in prayer. And, not, and I believe this. We ought to have a time where we actually get on our knees and pray before God. But at the same time, we ought to just live a life of just being in constant communication with God. We ought to be pray, you ought to be praying as you're going down the road, as you're just you know, going through, your, through, through life and going through your day. You ought to be communicating with God and talking to God. We are told to pray without ceasing. And I want to ask you, and I'm not asking you out loud, you know, don't answer out loud, but how is your devotional time? Are you faithful with it? Could your devotional time with God be characterized as consistent, committed? We ought to be consistent in our devotional time. Number two, Go to Hebrews. You're there in 1 Thessalonians. Go to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. You're, if, if you start from the back, the book of Revelation, you go past the book of Jude, past 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, past 1st, 2nd Peter, past book, the book of James, and you'll find the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 10. We ought to be faithful in our church attendance. We ought to be faithful in our church attendance. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Notice what the Bible says. Not forsaking... The assembling of ourselves together. Now, some people, I'll preach this and people will come up to me and say, I don't think that's talking about church attendance. I think it's talking about church in general. Like, it doesn't matter how consistent I am to church as long as I don't quit church altogether. But here's the thing. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is telling us not to forsake the assembling, the, the actual coming together. And by the way, that's what a church is. We're supposed to come together. If you don't come together, you're not in church. You, you, you're just listening and preaching online. That's not church. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But let me prove to you that it's talking about church service. He says, as the manner of some is. You know what the word manner means? It means a habit. He says, some people have the habit, and some people in this room have the habit of just skipping out on church all the time. And here's why. You want to know why you're not faithful to church? Because you're not, it's not a priority. It's not important. I mean, I'll do it if I get to it. I'll do it if it's important. You know, if, 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 the, if the stars line up, if, if the weather is just right, if, I mean, if someone will just make it as easy as possible for me, I will go. But if it's hard, if it's difficult, look, you got to make church a priority because there will always be a reason to skip. There will always be a reason to, to skip on church. He knows what he says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is and exhorting one another. See, the thing about church is that you get exhorted, but guess what? It's not just about you. Not only you get exhorted, but you know that you exhort others when you're here. You being here actually encourages other people, exhorting one another. And notice what he says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Some people say to me, you really expect people to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, doesn't that seem like much? Hey, as we get closer to the day, as we get closer to the end, he says, so much the more. You know that in 2015, we need more church, not less. You know that we need more of the word of God, not less. You know that we, we need more Bible, not less Bible in 2015. He says, and so much the more, 
as you see the day approaching. Notice, uh, go, go to, let's see, where do I want you to go? So number one, I said I want you to be faithful. You ought to be faithful in your personal devotions. Number two, you ought to be faithful in your church attendance. Number three, you ought to be faithful to soul winning. Go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5. Let's do this quickly. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And let, let me go ahead and say this, because sometimes people get offended. And that happens. I feel bad for it. Can you tell? But, you know, people get offended and they say, well, you know, I just, I just, you know, miss soul winning. Pastor's preaching against me. Listen to me. People miss soul winning here every week. <laughs> I just miss church. Pastor's preaching against me. People miss church here every week. It's like when I preach about being late. It's like people say, oh, but pastor's preaching against me because I was late. Look, people are late every day. You know, you guys never give me a break. You know, there's never an opportunity where, okay, no one missed last Sunday, so let me go ahead and preach about it now so no one gets offended. Look, I'm not, it's, it's just Nehemiah chapter 7. It's where we were. I can preach about being faithful, or I can preach about, you know, 17 verses about this person, you know, 332 of these people, or 342 about that people. I don't even have noticed, but that was most of the chapter. Go to uh, Acts chapter 5. Look at verse 42. Acts 5, 42. You ought to be faithful in soul winning, evangelism. Acts 5. Look at verse 42. Acts 5, 42. Notice what the Bible says. And daily in the temple and in every house. Notice. Daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Christ. They didn't stop. They ceased not. Go to Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 31. Acts chapter 20, verse 31. Acts chapter 20, verse 31. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years. Notice. Notice what Paul said. He said, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He said, I never stopped. He said, I kept doing it. He said, I kept warning. He said, I kept going. I kept preaching. I kept knocking. Go to Matthew 28. Look at verse 19. Matthew 28, you got that famous, you know, uh, uh, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 19. But I want you to notice what he says. And Matthew's not the only place, but it's one of the most well-known ones. Matthew 28, look at verse 19. Notice what the Lord Jesus Christ said when he said about the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Notice, when do we stop? Even unto the end of the world. Say, so when are we done so many, Pastor? When the end of the world comes. When you're in heaven, we'll, we'll be done. When, when you look up and the sun turns dark and the moon turns into blood and the Lord Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, we're done. We'll finish. But until then, we just go until the end of the world. See, we're supposed to be faithful in our soul winning. We're supposed to be faithful in our Bible reading. We're supposed to be faithful in our church. Let me give you another thing we ought to be faithful. Go, to, go back to Hebrews. I, I'm sorry. I meant to tell you to keep your place in Hebrews, and I forgot. But go back to Hebrews chapter 10 and look at verse number 23. We're going to look at... Uh, three verses, and we'll, we'll be done this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And again, being faithful means consistent. And look, you know, let me, let me go ahead and say this. I have to make all these disclaimers. I'm not talking about you went on vacation, okay? I'm all for families going on vacation. My family goes on vacation from time to time, and we're not here. You know, you ought to be in church somewhere, but, you know, I'm not saying you have to be here but you ought not have this habit of just constantly missing church for any little thing. It's just kind of like, you know, people, here's, here's the testimony you ought to have. When you're not here, people ought to ask, what happened to so-and-so? You know, when, when you miss and nobody says, nobody, and it's like, where's so-and-so? It's like, well, they're, you know, they show up once every three weeks. I mean, what do you mean? You ought not have that testimony. You ought to have a testimony that you, you are consistent to church. Hey, look, people ought to be able to break into your house and know that you won't be there on a Sunday morning because you are always in church. 
I mean, really, that ought to be your testimony. People ought to just know they're in church. That's the testimony they have. Are you there in Hebrews chapter 10? Look at verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Some of you are going to go home and your house is broken into. And you're gonna, you don't think I have something to do with it. I, did, I didn't. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 23. You ought to be faithful to what you believe. Notice what the Bible says, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. And here's a perfect, here's like a great, uh, you know, just description of what it means to be faithful without wavering. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 14. Ephesians 4, 14. Notice what the Bible says. Ephesians 4.14, notice what the Bible says. Ephesians 4.14 says this, That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight. The word slight means to be deceitful, but to, to almost be like a trickster. You know, same word that we use um, when it comes to magicians, the sleight of hand, you know. They're, they're doing something, but you don't really know what they're doing, but you know they're doing something. He says, look, don't be deceived. Don't be carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie to wait and wait to, and wait to deceive. Here's what he's saying. You ought to know what you believe, and you ought to be faithful to what you believe, and don't change. Look, we live in a society today that is given to change. I mean, the President of the United States ran on, you know, change. Let's change everything. And boy, has he changed everything. <laughs> and, and, and people want, Proverbs 24, 21, you don't have to turn there. It says, my son, fear the Lord and the king and meddle not with them that are given to change. Look, we are pressured today to change. You know, I stand up and I preach, hey, the Bible says that men ought to lead their wives and women ought to submit to their husbands. Ephesians chapter 5 says that and we believe that and we preach that. And men ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And women ought to submit to their husband and reverence their husband. And people will, will, will push back at that and say, you can't say that in 2015. But listen, we ought not be given a change. If it was good for Paul, it's good for us today. And today people get mad at us because we want to preach against the sodomite agenda. We want to preach against the, you know, just the liberalism and the lameness of, of our society. And we want to you know, stick to the old path. And they'll say, oh, you're just a dinosaur. You're just old-fashioned. You can't build a church like that. Hey, listen, I'm not trying to build a church. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. Amen. Say, what are you interested in doing? Gathering a crowd? No, not really. I mean, it's, it's nice to preach to people. There's been times when I preached, you ask my wife, there's been times when I preached a sermon and it was one person and my wife was in the mother baby room with the kids. <laughs> it, was, it was one person. You say, was that fun? Hey, we just preached the word. I'm not, I'm, we're not interested in building people. And people get this idea. They all, you know, they all try to pressure you and people will make these little comments to you, try to like scare you. Or, don't talk about this. Hey, look, I don't, I'm not afraid of losing anyone. I love all of you. I hope none of you leave. But listen, if you leave, it's not going to change things. We're not given to change. We believe what we believe. We stand where we stand. If you don't like it, find another church. Say, well, I don't think you should say Look, I'm not trying to be me. Maybe I should have got more sleep last night. But here's the thing. It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about the word of God. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to hold fast without wavering. You say, well, I don't, I don't like what you preach. Look, half the things I preach, I don't like. They're the word of God. It's what the Bible says. Number one, God is seeking faithful people. 
Number two, the word, the world has a scarcity of faithful people. Number three, we ought to strive to be faithful people. Go with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew 25. We'll, we'll finish up here. We get so riled up about the world while we as God's people are failing at being faithful. Every week I ask you a question as we've been going through the book of Nehemiah. Next week we'll, be, we'll take a break from Nehemiah. And the week after that we'll deal with Nehemiah chapter 8. And then uh, we'll have our family and friend day and we'll start a new series. But every week we've been asking you a question. Here's a question for you this morning. Can your life be ca- characterized by the word faithful? I mean, can your life be characterized by the word faithful? Are you dependable? Are you reliable? Are you trustworthy? Are you committed? Are you consistent? I mean, can your life be characterized? Because here's what you understand. At the end of the day, and what I mean by that is at the end of your life, one thing will matter if you're saved. Were you faithful? Notice, are you there in Matthew 25? Look at verse 21. Notice what the Bible says. Matthew 25, verse 21. His Lord said unto him, and this is what we all want to hear when we get to heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Notice verse 23, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Is there areas in your life that you're struggling in faithfulness? We all have those. I want to encourage you this morning, decide. You know, you say, you know what, I'm not faithful. I'll just be out. I'm not faithful in my Bible reading. I'm not faithful in my prayer time. I'm not faithful to church. I'm not, maybe you're not faithful in other areas. Maybe you're always late to work. You got to work on that, you know, maybe, or you're not going to be working, okay? You know, or, you know, maybe you're, whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, there's something that you're inconsistent in. There's something that you're not dependable in. There's something that God, I believe the Holy Spirit has worked on your heart. Hey, work on being Faithful. Can your life be characterized as faithfulness? Let me go ahead and say this for, I've got, we, we have the people that get their feelings hurt. Okay, before you talk to me at the door, before you send me an email or a text message or call me, okay, let me just go ahead and tell you what you want to hear, all right? The word of God doesn't apply to you, all right? You're special. You're different, okay? Isn't that what you want me to say? Because everybody always has their excuse why, well, Pastor, that was a great sermon. But here's, let me give you four reasons why that doesn't apply to me. Okay, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you what you want to hear. You're special. The Word of God doesn't apply to you. You are the exception, not the rule. It's not that you're lazy. It's not that you're liberal. It's not that you're lame. It's not that you're a loser. I can't think of any other words that start with an L. It's just, it's just you, okay? You're fine. All right, everyone else, be faithful in what God has called you. 